what you heard is heavy. And it's something that the church, because we're the church, must address. And like everything, we must address it through the lens of the gospel. And the gospel speaks to it. It speaks to it in a profound way, even in sections of scripture, perhaps, that you wouldn't necessarily think of, such as 1 Samuel 3, where Samuel, a boy, prayed for, is living as a servant to Eli, the priest, and there delighting in what the Lord has given him. He seeks to honor God, and then the Lord speaks. And how the Lord speaks to him isn't necessarily the exact same way the Lord's going to speak to us. Yet, there are tremendous similarities. But what is exactly the same is what this section of Scripture reveals about the character of God. Then and today. So let's stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'll begin at verse 1 and read through chapter 4, verse 1. Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord God called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called. You called me, but he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord God called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. 
May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, through song and liturgy in Scripture, we have already asked you to bless us. We've asked you to speak, and Holy Spirit, only you can. You can illuminate the very words that we have just heard, and you can take them as deep as we prayed you would in our song, Speak, O Lord. So deep in us this day, we pray you would take them that we might exit being transformed that it would not just rest in our minds, or even just in our minds and our heart, but the power of the gospel would move so deep inside us that it has to exit, and the exit would be through our hands and our feet, that we would engage with the gospel and the needs of this very broken world. We pray for all of this to happen, Lord, for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. In Victor's prayer, he mentioned that it changes when you know the child, when you look in their eyes. When we began to do work in East Asia, I remember hearing the story of a mom, a young mom with two children. Her youngest child was sick and was in need of simple penicillin. But the cost of penicillin was more than she would make in three years of her own labor. And so what was her choice? She surrendered her older daughter, who was about the age of a kindergartner, to a slave master, who she would then work for, earning the money, or paying back the money that had been loaned so this mother could have the penicillin for her little child. By the time she would finish paying that back, she would be beyond middle school years. Her life every day would be spent serving that way. Now picture it for a moment. If the little girl was actually in school, what would the mom say when her teacher says, where is she? Where is she gone? What would happen when they stood in line to buy groceries, and this little girl's no longer with her mother, what would she say? That's how we have to see it. Because you see, as Paul said, that's the reality of 40 million people. Men, women, boys, girls. To give you perspective, that's the population of the state of California. So imagine entering California, and every person you see Every person is involved in human trafficking or slavery. 40 million. 
You see, slavery is not just a chapter of the past written in our textbooks, but it's a present page being written every day. And every day for 40 million people, it's the same story. Somebody sold me. Somebody took me. And this is what I must do today. And all this evil is raging war against my body, against my heart, against my mind, against my soul, every day. So what does God have to say to us? What does he have to say to his church about the way we should be engaged in this type of evil that's in the world? God always wants us to care about the same things that he cares about. And in this section of 1 Samuel 3, we actually see that God cares about injustice. We actually see that God cares about rescuing his people. And we do so through his vision. And I want to talk about rare vision. In 3.1, we're told, look there with me, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So here I want to make sure you understand that the word of God being revealed and God's vision is the same thing. Sometimes we hear something if we're on a board or leading a company or even a church and we use that verse way out of context that says, without vision, the people perish. I want you to understand that it has nothing to do with the slick mission statement. It's much worse than that and much more significant. What that verse is saying is, without God's word being revealed, the people perish. Not without some list of goals, and those are good and fine. Not without some specific statement, even like the one we have. But that's not what it's about. It's deeper. It's saying without God's revealed vision, which is God's word, the people perish. And God's word is telling us when Eli was in the temple as priest and Samuel was serving him, that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Well, why would it be rare? God's word is rare whenever God's judgment is being imposed. And God's judgment at this point in the history of redemption is being imposed against the people of Israel because of their rebellion and because of the rebellion of Eli's sons, these blaspheming evil priests that are using their powers to expose and, and, and take part in all sorts of wickedness. But there's also another wickedness that's present. And did you see it? It's Eli knowing what was going on and not restraining his sons. And so because of that rebellion, because of that wickedness, because of that rejection of God, God's word, God's vision was rare in those days. Now today, thousands of years later, we have his holy word. The canon from Genesis to Revelation is closed. 
We have no more words being added to Scripture. We don't need any more. In the world in which we live in, there is more accessibility, accessibility to the preached word, past, as well as you can listen to your favorite preacher at any time, on any day. So the exposure to the word of God is so available, yet I think it's fair to say that the vision of God, even from his word, is often very rare. Why? Because in this case, it's not so much the one who is delivering the message, but it's the receiver that causes the message to be rare. In other words, though so much good preaching, so much incredible teaching is available to us, the execution of that, the application of that deep into our life seems as if it's very rare. In other words, the action to move towards the gospel being spread, our lives looking much more like Jesus, our desire to care about the things that Jesus cares about are deep in our hearts. In other words, the gospel we hear every Sunday doesn't just rest in our noggin, but it doesn't even just move to the heart, but it goes so deep that we say every Sunday, every day actually, I must do something with what I've heard. I have been set free. I have been set free from the bondage of sin and death. I have been made alive in Christ. I have access to this rare vision of God. I need to take it to this hurting world for the sake of his glory and his people's good. Vision today is rare, not because we don't have it or have accessibility to it, but because we're deaf. Our ears are clogged with so many first world problems. Our ears are consumed with so much of our own greed, our own desire for the flesh, our own desire for our comfort. And the brokenness all around us is so overwhelming that when we hear 40 million, we think, what good can I do? The rare vision was present because of the judgment of God. The vision is rare today, not because we don't have it or even read it, but because so often there's a disconnect between what we hear when we nod amen to the truth and we're thankful that the truth is taught, but we walk out Sunday after Sunday with little expectation of doing anything with what we just heard. But here's the good news. God breaks the silence. And when God breaks the silence, it's a revelation of his grace because only God can break the silence. And he did it here. He did it here by saying, Samuel, Samuel. And when he breaks the silence and his vision is given once more, once more, we then again see that it's rare vision. It's not rare just in its frequency. It's rare in the message itself. Listen to what Eli hears. Chapter 3, verse 10. And the Lord came and stood. Isn't that a powerful picture? Calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord says to him, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I will declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. These are the first words that Samuel hears from God. Think about that. And he's a boy. No doubt he loves Eli. And the first words that this boy hears from God reveals God's character. It reveals that God cares very much for truth and righteousness and his holiness. And when those who are called in his name to proclaim the truth and to live in righteousness and to be about justice are blaspheming him, God is going to do something about it. And his justice is going to be perfect, righteous, and holy. But God takes this very seriously. And so Eli, who says, speak, O Lord, for your servant hears, hears from the Lord a message that reveals God's character, that he cares deeply about justice. He cares deeply about righteousness. He cares deeply about truth. He cares deeply about redeeming and rescuing his people. So God's vision is rare in its message. It's true, his message. And it's tough. And the world doesn't really want to hear it. And Eli, we see, doesn't really want to say it. Can you blame him? Do you realize what he's about to say to Eli? The text tells us in verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. It doesn't tell us that he slept. And I don't think he did. I don't think you hear a message like he just heard the first time hearing from God and he knows it's God, that you're going to rebuke the man who is your mentor, the one who's cared for you, the one that you're serving. But Eli enters in and he opens the door of the house and it tells us Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called and he said, Samuel, my son, here I am. What was it that he told you? And Eli knows he's afraid to tell him. And so he speaks boldly. Tell me what it is. If you don't tell me what it is, may it be worse to you. And so Eli hears Samuel. And he sees Samuel. Not his son. His sons are blaspheming God. But a boy in his service. Faithfully saying everything. God told him to say. God's vision is rare in its message. It's tough and it's true. It's about his righteousness and his justice. It's about his redemption, 
his rescuing his people. God's vision is rare. It's rare in its message. But God's vision is rare also in its messenger. Isn't it interesting that God chooses to break his silence and reveal his grace through a boy? A boy whose mother prayed for his life, pleaded with God to give him a son. And if she did, she would submit him to the Lord and he would serve the Lord all the days of his life. God's vision is rare in its message, but it's also rare in its messenger. God reveals his message in this way, which is ordinary for God, through a prophet. In verse 19 and 20 tells us that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, that's from the top of Israel to the bottom, those two cities, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. They knew it. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. God's vision is rare in its messenger. Here God uses a boy. This boy is established as a prophet in Israel. He will be hearing from the Lord what the Lord wants him to say. And everything that he begins to hear is pointing to a king and a kingdom. First it will be Saul, then it will be David, and then it will continue to move but it's all pointing towards the ultimate king, the ultimate messenger, the ultimate prophet. And who is that? It's Jesus. And when Jesus is born, it says, the word became flesh. God's vision is rare in its messenger. His message becomes the person, Jesus, in the person Jesus is born, that he might walk this earth, living a perfect, righteous life that none of us could ever live, being our perfect representative, our perfect righteousness. Jesus, the great prophet, is the messenger. How rare is that, that God would reveal his will and that his will is to send his own son to walk up on this earth because the men and women he created have rejected him and are living in sin. Sin that causes them to take advantage of women and children and other men for their own good and their own gain. Wickedness that is in all of us. All of us. We say too casually, there but by the grace of God go I. No, no friends, listen. It really is true. There but by the grace of God, you are not participating in sex trafficking. There but by the grace of God, you are not the ones overseeing those operations. There but by the grace of God, you are not entangled in it in a way that is so deeply evil. There, but by the grace of God, we saw that we were actual slaves to Satan, slaves to sin, dead spiritually, 
But by his grace, but by his breaking the silence, he opens our hearts and minds to see the messenger, to hear his message, that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And we see in Samuel 3 a faithful boy telling the truth, pointing to another boy, another boy who is going to become a man. And when he hits the age of 33, this man is going to perfectly, faithfully fulfill his calling to take on the sins of the whole world. Every injustice, every evil thought, every bitter deed, all of them, yours and mine, The messenger goes to the cross and he dies. Before he dies, he tells his followers, you are going to be my messengers. The vision is rare, it's God's. The messengers are rare. It's God's children. And God tells those that he must die for, who place their faith in him, that I am going to use you to go out into this dark and evil world as my little messengers, making known the name of Christ, of me, of telling the entire world that I alone and the way, and the truth, and the life. It's a true message, and it's a tough message. There's no other way. But are we hearing his message? Is the vision rare? Not because it's clear, but because we're not listening. Because our ears are so full of things that don't really matter that much. And we can't hear the Lord when he speaks. And oh, my friends, he speaks. He speaks through his holy word. And he speaks through his Holy Spirit. And what he calls us to do is to respond by saying, here I am, Lord. Speak, Lord. My friends, this journey with you is the most exciting thing I could ever be a part of. This journey with a body of believers saying, only if God breaks the silence will I respond yes. Only if God breaks the silence will I go. Well, he has broken the silence. 
He's speaking this morning. He's telling you of radical acts of evil and injustice in this world. He's telling you of radical sin in your own life. And what he is saying this morning is, I and I alone am victorious. I and I alone am going to accomplish that which I started. That is my message. For the glory of my holy name, that is my message. And that message is the only message of rescue. The only one. So first, have you been rescued? Have you heard his voice? Has he saved you? Start there. If you know the answer to that is no, please listen. Because it's very possible today that he is revealing to you that he alone can rescue you. If you know that you have been rescued by God, then may this day be a new day for you, a new day of hearing again the power of the gospel message, the message of the messenger who calls us, his little messengers, to listen and to go wherever he is calling us because he is going to accomplish his message, his mission. Lord God Almighty, we are humbled to come before you and praise you. We are humbled that you would reveal yourself to us. We're humbled that you would give us this church, which you are the head of, and call us to constantly think and pray and listen for what it is you want to do with our lives. God, would you take the good news of our freedom in Christ and press it so deep in us that today we would be made different. We would leave this place differently and we would listen earnestly for your voice. And when we hear it, by your grace and for your glory, we would obey. In Jesus' name, amen.